Welcome back, everyone, to Out of the Main. Uh, John Nixon, I should clarify, because we're going to have two Johns on today. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. This is an exciting day for us, and we should get right to why it's an exciting day, because we have a special guest, also named John. John Hall is the founding member, lead singer, guitarist from a band we all know and love, Orleans, and of course, much more than that. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, John. Mm -hmm. Good to have you with us. Appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. So we want to start right from the get-go to talk about your latest project, because you have something dropping tomorrow if our listeners are listening to this episode as it drops on Thursday the 27th, and tell everyone what's coming out on Friday the 28th. That's correct. I have a record called Reclaiming My Time. That's uh, the first uh, album I've done in, oh, 15, 16 years, something like that, of new new material, uh, mostly songs that were written in the last year and a half uh, and recorded in isolation, at least a good part of them uh, during the pandemic. And then there are a few songs uh, that came from previous records that I put out on my vanity label and didn't get much promotion or distribution. <laughs> so I uh, thought they needed another chance, another listen. So uh, remixed and remastered those tunes. And they're all on this new record, which... Uh, as you know, I'm sure your listeners know, the phrase reclaiming my, my time is one that comes from uh, the floor of the House of Representatives in the United States Congress, where I spent four years mm -hmm. representing a district in upstate New York. Uh, when one is interrupted by somebody else on the floor in mid-statement and uh, <laughs> wants to yeah. get back your time to finish what you're saying, you say, reclaiming my time, Madam Speaker, I'd like to finish by saying... Here's my new record. Well, you kicked off uh, the show with our trivia factoid of the day. So uh, we won't be able to stump our listeners. I love it. So probably the only yacht rocker to serve in any hall of Congress, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Well, unless you consider Sonny Bono, Sonny Bono a ah, yacht rocker. How funny. Uh, which I suppose if he had left a few dec decades later, he would have been. But you're the only platinum solo art or platinum artist I thought I read somewhere. but Oh, you know, the record company sends these things out. Yeah. I'm sure Sonny Bono sold platinum. Hyperbole is the name of the game with record companies and promotion. Uh, I didn't write that. You know, I'm, I'm just lucky and blessed and eternally grateful that the songs that I wrote over the years with my first wife, Johanna, and with other people as well, or by myself sometimes, have been played and continue to get played so that um, when we go out with Orleans, you know, people want to hear those songs. And when we introduce new music, they go, well, I think I'll listen because those are the guys that did Dance With Me or mm -hmm. Still The One or Power or Half Moon. So it's uh, it's all good. And we you know we stood on other people's shoulders ourselves when we get going. So at this point, I guess the new stuff on this record is standing on our own older shoulders. Well, it looks like you're going to be busy this summer. I was looking at your website. You got quite a few dates booked. Uh, a lot of them are you're paired with... Um, Try to say this. Pure Prairie League, Firefall. I see, uh, who else do I see on there? I see Peter Beckett. I see Atlanta Rhythm Section on various dates. So it looks like your summer's going to be uh, rocking. Yeah, I, a lot of the dates, uh, well, everybody, all the, it doesn't matter if it was a club band or the Doobie Brothers, they all um, had their concerts uh, and their club dates canceled in 2020. And so everybody's trying to book them in 2021 and 2022. 
there are a limited number of venues and a limited number of nights in the year. So uh, there's a competition, as you probably know, to to book these halls or venues uh, now. And um, I'm, I'm hoping our schedule fills in more, but the dates that are up online are are what they are and we'll be happy for them. Uh, there are a couple places to get information. If anyone wants to know, uh, johnhallmusic.com has a lot of information about me and some about Orleans as well, and about this new record. Uh, Orleansonline.com has tons of information about uh, about the band and also carries all the dates. And um, And we're both on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and so on, other social media. So I wanted to go back to this new record just for a second, and I'm sure we'll dive in being a Yacht Rock podcast to uh, what you may consider some good old days. But on this record, Reclaiming My Time, correct? Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, I think the double entendre of reclaiming my time, I think is somewhat obvious and intuitive and it's really cool. So can you talk through some of the songwriting and what inspired you and maybe even some of the musicians that you had collaborate on this record? Because you mentioned Johanna and I believe she co-wrote one of the songs on this record. So talk a little she did. bit. She actually co-wrote a couple of them. Uh, uh, she and Jonelle Mosser and I collaborated on Lessons. I wound up in a traffic jam I learned to handle money As it slipped right through my hand And uh, now more than ever, uh, our song is a song that Johanna and I wrote together. We started it uh, in February of 2020, so it was just before everything got locked down. Yeah, the songs really grew out, as they always do, out of uh, real-life experiences. And a friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends and co-writer, John Paul Daniel, uh, lost his wife uh, to cancer about a year and a half ago. And I was around to try to, you know, help him get through it. And and the day after the funeral, we wrote um, a song called Mystic Blue that was uh, is the third song on this album uh and it's a song that really comes out of his experience and his story of how they met and, and fell in love and and uh it's a i think it's a lovely song it's it's happier musically than he was probably feeling at the time but uh but it has a terrific band uh, uh sean paddock who plays drums with kenny chesney he was uh, is on it um uh, john paul blake could play some bass himself um, and, um, you know, it's just, it was the opening for the opening of the door for us to keep writing for, you know, ever since then. And we wrote the song alone too long when after about six or eight months of grief, he asked another friend when it was okay to start dating. And his friend said, don't stay alone too, too long. You might start to like it. And, and I thought, wow, there's a song. But I couldn't get John Paul the time to focus on it uh, 
probably because it was too close to home for him. So I wrote the rest of the song with um, with another co-writer, another wonderful friend, great lyricist, Tad Richards from Woodstock, New York. And it started out, once again, before the, the pandemic, but uh, wound up being really a song that we can all relate to because it's about isolation and loneliness. And, um, you know, we all are we all are feeling that and we're coming out of that shell now and it's actually connects to the to the double meaning or triple meaning of reclaiming my time i think we're all trying now to reclaim maybe not the literally the time that we lost to the to the virus but also to reclaim the closeness to those people the ones we couldn't you know friends and relatives that we couldn't get together with and and hug you know and uh have kind of normal interactions with and every song on the record has that kind of story to it in terms of not just a song that came out of real life, but uh, the people who played on it and how the uh, recording took shape. Wow. Oh, boy. Well, you, you covered a few, couple of my uh, questions. I kind of, uh, Tom, if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind uh, going into the Wayback Machine here for a minute. I was, you know, those first three records that uh, you did as Orleans, I kind of, Wanted to touch on a few things there, and you were kind of hitting on it here with all these different people you were talking about that have played on this record. And I was actually, I've got the the vinyl copy here, the first one. All right. And there's a nice lengthy write-up inside there, and it gives a lot of the history of what you and Lance and Larry had done even before Orleans started. So here's Orleans on their first album, and you've already, at this point, you've already won an Obie Award. You've written, what, for... Uh, Broadway, and you've played with Bonnie Raitt, and yeah, and there's quite a list. So you you guys are already fairly accomplished in terms of session musicians. You were playing; you had quite a few we credits so. already. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I had played I had played with Taj Mahal, and I played with you know, recorded uh, with Seals and Crofts on their second album, and worked with John Simon, who produced the band, and and uh, yeah, various. I've done a lot of recording sessions in New York. And Johanna and I were writing. We'd already written Half Moon for Janis Joplin and Miss Grace for The Times and uh, various songs like that. So, yeah, we were setting out to do something that was ours rather than playing or writing for other people. And you all played a lot of different instruments on that record. I, I, the, the number of instruments listed for each guy. And um, you were credited as playing slide trumpet. I had a slide trumpet. Yeah, John Simon gave that to me. Wow. Um and uh, it's like a regular trumpet in terms of the range, the register that plays in, uh, but it has a trombone-like slide to it instead of the valves. Wow. You know, the other thing I think is interesting about that record is that it was produced by Barry Beckett and Roger Hawkins, legendary members of the Muscle Shoals rhythm section. And I'm sorry to say uh, that we just read two days ago that Roger Hawkins had passed away. Mm. Roger played drums on so many hits and was so influential. Our drummer, Wells Kelly, from Orleans, was such a big fan of Roger's. And he was nervous playing in the studio with Roger in the control room. Producing. Oh, I bet. And um, Roger Hawkins played on the Staples Singers' I'll Take You There. He played on Wilson Pickett's Mustang Sally. He played on Paul Simon's Kodachrome. He played mm. on Respect by Aretha wow. Franklin. Yeah. This guy was just wow. literally a legend, is still a legend among drummers and rhythm sections. And we had been in the beginning, the reason we got the name Orleans was that we were playing before we had enough songs to fill out a night at a club uh, to do a couple sets so people could dance and drink a lot of beer. Yes. And make the club owner happy. 
we had to do cover songs and the songs we chose to cover were were songs that the Muscle Shoals guys played on, R&B mm-hmm. tracks, um, New Orleans uh, influence stuff, uh, uh, Leon Russell, Meters, Neville Brothers things. And, um, and so when we were trying to kick around names for a band, Wells said, how about Orleans? And we went, okay. And, and that's, that's what we became. And uh, so that was kind of, you know, the connection, some of the connections to this first record, the burlap cover, yeah. as we and our fans call it. It really feels like a band album to me, you know, where everybody is it contributing is. some. Tom, you had something you want to say? Well, I think you answered a question that's been dogging at me, which is the different influences and in sounds. So if people aren't familiar with the Deep Orleans catalog, they might not realize how funky you guys get in spots. And so that's back, do you think, uh, to your cover band days and learning R&B? Absolutely. And it kept on going since there. I mean, we did on the Waking and Dreaming album, the one that had still the one on it. did a song called What I Need. We did a song called uh, Reach a Little Bit Higher. You got to reach a little bit higher When the light within becomes a fire Hey, hey Whoa, whoa That's been covered by all these gospel clips yeah. and, and Newgrass did it with John Cowan singing lead, actually, on uh, one of their records. It's just, it's a funky track with the three-part harmonies on top of it. And that's what we all always considered the band to be. Uh, if you listen to the t- title track, Waking and Dreaming, from that record, it has this, starts out with a slow ballad. And it kicks into a double time with this funky bass and guitar and drum part underneath it that still has those the Orleans three-part vocals on the top. And that's if I had to play one track for somebody to demonstrate what Orleans was about, I think that's probably be the one that I picked because it has a little bit of everything that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the first album, the Burlap uh, Orleans album, uh, was the beginning, you know, really of of demonstrating that. And, uh, but I think it came to fruition in the next uh, three records. The album that just preceded waking and dreaming was let there be music in side two, I guess um, is where it takes another funky turn, right? Um, you get the wah, wah pedal out. I think I'm hearing, and it just has this really good R and B feel to it. But as you say, with the Orleans stamp on it, with your vocals and the melody lines, right. Cold spell, for instance, Gold Spell is a song that, um, you know, we wrote that, Johanna and I wrote that back then about climate change, although we didn't know. In fact, nobody knew for sure whether the planet was going to get hotter or colder. But it didn't take a rocket scientist to know that 
we couldn't have billions and you know more every day of people on this planet uh, and using up all the resources the way we were and, and, and polluting things the way we already were without having some kind of an effect. So that song, uh, it, I think musically, once again, it has the vocals on top of this really funky uh, rhythm section. You know, those two songs point the way to something else that became a big part of, of my career, not just Orleans, of course, but also my solo work, which is topical songs, that songs that verge on the political and the environmental. For, for me, songwriting is topical. It doesn't matter if it's Dance With Me or Still The One. I mean, it's a topic to say, hey, I, I really wish you would just get up out of the chair and put your arms around me and let's move to this music. Dance with me, you know, as a topic. Mm -hmm. Or we've been together since way back when. Sometimes I, I really don't want to see you again, but I want you to know you're still the one. That's a message. Mm -hmm. That's a topic. So every song is a topical yeah. song and they all come from something in real life. And for me, you know, writing a song about... Um, about pollution or about the other song on this Let There Be Music album that you were that you were mentioning, Tom, is uh, uh, Business, business as, as Usual. Where, you know, it's a slide guitar, you know, right. lead over a funky track and, you know, but it's talking about starvation and, and it affects me and I think it affects all of us. And so I just believe in writing about things I feel strongly about. Yeah, nothing makes for a great song more than writing whatever it is that the writer strongly feels about. So um, you were talking about the uh, Let There Be Music album, but then there's the second album, which didn't get released in the United States because the label, quote, didn't see a hit. But interestingly, the second album had an early version of Dance With Me on it, which... <laughs> became quite the big hit. Now, it wasn't that... I went back and listened. I was able to find the version from album from the second album. It wasn't that terribly different. There were some differences. Well, it had a whistling solo instead of a guitar. Uh, yeah, melodica. Yeah. The, the melodica, yeah. And a lot more of the uh, the jammy section with like the Wurlitzer and whatnot. But, I mean, the, the structure of it and the melody and the guitar part that voices that melody and all that was all still there. Absolutely. Guitar part was the same. Um, How do you feel about Earl Clue's cover oh. of that? I love that. I love it, and I love that he did it. I, Dance with me is interesting because it's uh, still the one I think we really did such a definitive version that maybe some people don't want to try, at least not in the area of rock pop music that we were in. Uh, don't want to try to outdo that version. Whereas Dance with me is just it's a melody that stands on its own besides the lyrics, and it's been recorded by Chet Atkins and Steve Warner and. Earl Clue and Bobby McFerrin doing oh, wow. a scat singing version of it. And, uh, you know, all kinds of different um, different versions. So Jose, Jose Feliciano did it live. Oh, wow. And there's a live, uh, not just a recording, but a video of him on YouTube playing uh, playing Dance With Me. It's unbelievable. I couldn't play the guitar the way he does with that flamenco guitar. It's just, but he sings, he only sings the tail end of it. He doesn't sing mm -hmm. the whole song. He just plays and the audience is going nuts. And I, I'm just really proud of that because what we did, all of us, and uh, on both of the songs, but especially Dance With Me, is something that, that a lot of people have wanted to uh, have wanted to play, and I'm eternally grateful for that. It's a beautiful song. Do you recall when you, when you toured on that? Because um, I had a note here. 
1976, of course, Jerry Murata joins the band. Wes Kelly gets to move to keys and vocals, which was uh, interesting. And then you toured with Jackson Brown. Was that the same tour they were recording, Running on Empty? Do you recall? It was the Running on Empty tour. They had recorded it already on the previous Okay. So they were touring on that album then? He had the Running on on Empty album. Okay. And we were on the tour promoting that in 76 with Jackson. It was a lot of fun. He's, you know. He's a great guy, and I'm a fan of his. I was a fan of his before I met him. So, um, you know, it's always nice when you can work with someone who you whose music you like that much beforehand. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, packed houses as you can imagine. So, uh, oh yeah, that was a really good. Uh, we happened to be on the same record label, Asylum Records. So uh, that that helped in terms of. Uh, the label supporting the tour more than they might have if they only had one act on the bill. You mentioned two drummers, and I think there's interesting notes about both. So one is Wells Kelly was originally in King Harvest, and uh, Dancing in the Moonlight is like one of my favorite tunes, and I think he wrote that with his brother. Is that right? Well, his brother wrote it, um, and uh, Wells played in a band with Sherman Kelly, his brother, uh, called Bafalongo that Larry Hoffman yeah. was in, in Ithaca, New York. Wells also played with me on my solo album, John Hall Action, same of the album that came out on Columbia Records in 1970. So when we got together as Orleans, I had played with Wells previously, and I had jammed with Larry once. I met him at a, at a, uh, at a jam session at a, a loft in Soho in Manhattan, uh, south of Houston Street, for those of you who don't know who, what Soho is. And uh, I walked into this jam session. It was the, the apartment of a bass player, Harvey Brooks, who played with the electric flag and played on Dylan's Blonde on Blonde record and played on all these legendary, you know, huge, important albums, who was also a producer for a while for Columbia Records. You know, the action album that came out in Columbia, that was the one that, that Harvey produced. So I walked into this loft and Wells is playing drums and other people, Harvey's playing bass and other people jamming on different instruments. And I plug in my guitar into an amplifier and everybody's playing this sort of D this groove and D kind of blues scale thing, you know? And I started playing the, it's just instrumentally on the guitar, the theme from Aquarius. <laughs> when the moon is in the seventh house. And on the guitar with a sustaining tone and from across the loft, I hear somebody playing a third harmony above it. Da, 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 da. And it was Larry. Ugh. And we finished playing. Everybody like stopped and we did a kind of a blues ending. And, <laughs> and I walked across the room and shook his hand, said, hi, I'm John Hall. And he said, I'm Larry Hoppin. That's the first time we ever met. That's so cool. Wow. Really cool. Wow. Well, those are great stories. I mean, that, that harmony, that double guitar harmony that's on Still the One. Yeah. Or on a lot of our Orleans records. You know, that was just something we naturally did. That's cool. Yeah, I love that sound. Real quick, my other uh, interesting drummer note was Jerry Murata, who then joins the band, is the younger brother to Rick Murata, who I think Yacht Rockers know as Steely Dan and, of course, many other things. But And then you did a – I remember – you did a tour as a solo artist. So this would probably be maybe somewhere between 80 and 82. Uh, So you were touring on one of your – solo records and you came to Detroit and warmed up for Bob Seger at it was either Kobo or Joe Lewis. Right. It was actually a John Hall band uh, tour. We had two John Hall band records 
on EMI America Records. And it was uh, Bob Leinbach, keyboard player and singer, who was in Orleans a couple of times and also uh, played in that band, uh, Bafalongo, that uh, that Wells and Larry and Sherman Kelly were in. And um, we didn't really know who you were. I mean, I had New Orleans, but I hadn't put the two names together. Right. And then you kind of made uh, a statement to the crowd so that everybody knew who you were and the, the relationship to Orleans. And that was one of the most well-received warm-up acts I'd ever Thank seen. You so much, I, mean, you th- I mean, not just me personally, but I remember the crowd really digging on it in front of before Seager yeah, came Yeah, we on. did a pretty good show on that tour. And, and Bob was terrific, as he always was and is. Uh, uh, we just... Uh, we had a record that was on MTV in a big way back when MTV mm-hmm. was a new thing yep. and they played only music videos. Mm-hmm. And um, you can, I'm, I'm, I'm giving away my age here, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's, um, there's, there's a kind of immediacy that comes from having uh, a video being played that people can see in their living room versus just hearing a record. And I found this when we were doing John Hall band club gigs, like the paradise in Boston, where we'd come out, and we would do play, the audience was reacting great anyway. But when we would do Crazy or You Sure, for, sure Fooled Me, the two songs with a video, they would scream. We went from being like, yeah, I love this to like, what? <laughs> <laughs> because they, yeah, I've been in their living room and I saw the same thing when I ran for office, first time I campaigned for any public office, when I ran for county legislature in uh, Ulster County, New York where Woodstock and Saugerties are and, you know, that Hudson Valley area. When I was going door to door, knocking, you know, shaking hands, hi, I'm John Hall. I'm running for, to represent you in the county office building uh, in the legislature. People would say, thanks, we're watching TV and close the door in my face. Or they would say, okay, I'll read this. I would hand out literature and they'd say, okay, I'll read it. Thanks. Bye. Mm -hmm. And close the door. When all of a sudden our campaign videos, commercials went on TV all of a sudden it was like, I just saw you on TV. Come on in. You yeah. want a cup of coffee? Yeah. It was amazing, yeah. the difference. And um, because you become somebody that's immediate to them. Yeah. Yeah, that was on that uh, Bob Seger tour we had. I mean, he oh, obviously, was he was great. the star. He was drawing most of the people in. But we uh, uh, we were a good opening act. It takes a lot of ego and, uh, and some uh, familiarity with this whole promotional thing. Uh, to be able to stand up and say, dig this, you know, I know, mm-hmm. or listen to this song, or they even talk about yeah. selling a guitar solo. You've heard that, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Like, hey, yep. like posing with a guitar, dig this lick. You know, <laughs> I mean, so many guitarists, lead guitarists, especially from bands that we all know, get out on the front of the stage or walk the catwalk or dive into the audience and yep. run around playing a solo. And it's all salesmanship. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's music and hopefully it's art, but um, but there are parallels between music and politics. And I think that's what absolutely really yeah. helped. It's much harder job being elected than it is getting hmm. elected. Interesting. Well, John, I have one last question for the way back machine, if you'll indulge us. Um, yeah, right? And that is I don't know how much you know about. Yacht rock is sort of made up genre, but one of the hallmarks of it is the sort of West Coast sound that was happening and the session cats that were playing in these studios in LA. And I know you were recording in New York and in Nashville, but you had to have some exposure, at least to that scene. You know, you're touring with various members. I know Linda Ronstadt sang on a song of yours, Michael Brecker played sax. 
were you at all, to what degree were you exposed to that scene and how did you sort of intermingle with that whole group? I, I did. I spent a lot of time in, in LA uh, and uh, worked with all those Laurel Canyon people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I played on Jackson Brown's uh, Here Come Those Tears Again. And uh, it was interesting. There's a story behind everything and I won't go to go in, down that rabbit hole right now, but um I produced Bonnie Raitt's third album. I used to drive her home to her place in Mulholland uh, Drive. I I, uh, I used to, uh, well, when I was playing and producing that album, uh, you know, the players who we got to play on it were um, not just Lowell George, who started out producing the record before I did. And he and Bonnie had kind of a personal falling out and then later got together as best pals. But... Uh, but everybody from Milt Holland to Bill Payne, it's just, it's just I was around enough to, uh, to be a part of it. I mean, I, I played with, with Little Feet and on their last record album on the song All That You Dream, and Billy and Paul had invited me to come in and play. These are all people from that scene. And uh, Orleans, actually, the first two records we did with Chuck Blacken for Asylum, which were the Let the Read Music album and the Waking and Dreaming album, we were living in LA for four to six months at a time while we were recording mm. and, and mixing and editing and all that stuff. So we had our, we had our time in there. Uh, Johanna wanted to come back to, uh, to Woodstock. I mean, I love Woodstock too, but I, but her thing was like, I, I don't know if I could live without the seasons. Mm. I want to see the leaves turn and, and yep. fall down mm-hmm. and, and I get it. But um, so we were kind of bicoastal in that regard. And now you're in Nashville. Now I'm right? in Nashville. It's slightly in between. It's been a long, uh, incredible ride for you, though, boy. Coming back from, what, 72 when you started Orleans? And, oh, my gosh. I drove my parents crazy by dropping out of college to play guitar. I, you know, they, they thought I was throwing my life away. And I guess I might have been. Uh, but, uh, you know what? I teach songwriting classes, uh, you know, high school and college level classes now. Not a lot, but occasionally I get brought in to do a, a class, a lecture, uh, Kids will ask me all the time, like, uh, I'm thinking about doing this. So I'm thinking about going into music. Uh, what do you think? And I, I, I say, if you have to ask me, don't do it. <laughs> uh, because yeah, I think you really need to be driven. You need to be obsessed. Um, like for me, I, I don't think I would have gotten through all the roadblocks and the, and the trials and tribulations of trying to work your way into the business and sort of up the ladder if it wasn't all I wanted to do. Uh, so that's, I think it's probably good advice. There are a lot of, a lot of jobs in the business, everything from, you know, engineering to, uh, you know, being a live sound mixer or a lighting, lighting director, or, uh, you know, working in a management office or promotion office, or, you know, I mean, songwriting is not, you know, in some ways it's the best part of the job because you get to, you get to stay home most of the time and just, you know, write songs that other people go out and tour and do the hard work for you. And the, and the songs, the Joanna likes to say the songs grow up and leave home and get a job and send money back. <laughs> but you put your heart and soul into something like that and then you play it for somebody and they go, I don't like <laughs> it. You know, so you know, that, there's always that hanging over you. Right. So, <laughs> Well, and so now here you're still at it. Uh, I was almost said still the one, but... Um, but you are still back with the with Orleans, still recording, right? With Orleans and touring. I got back with Orleans after I was I was in Congress 
uh, was elected in 06 and reelected in uh, 2008. And, uh, and then I lost in the 2010 election and I was still kind of, I had a couple health issues I had to take care of. It's a good thing actually that I did lose and I'm not uh, self-centered enough to think that I'm the only person who could represent those 650,000 people. But, uh, but in 2012, Larry Hoppin passed away and Lance called me and asked if I'd come to the memorial and sing some songs with him and Bob and Robbie Dupree and other friends of ours, which of course I did. And uh, he also said, can you come finish these shows? We've got contracted gigs for the rest of the year we need to do. And uh, I said, of course. So hmm. I did that. And then we just liked it enough that we just kept on playing. We have uh, a really good band now with the third Hoppin' brother, Lane Hoppin, mm. Larry and Lance's uh, youngest brother, okay. cool. uh, playing keyboard and melodica and trumpet and singing. And he sounds just like the other Hoppin' brothers. Oh, it's, nice. It's a remarkable genetic thing. <laughs> and uh, and they've sung together, obviously, since they were babies. And I've sung with them since uh, we started the band. So it's it's a pretty good and easy blend to fall back into. And, and uh, so we go out and do these shows with... Uh, at the moment, we have Fly Amaro from Boston, uh, North Shore of Boston, who's playing uh, guitar and singing alongside me. When I left the band to go solo or to be in Congress, Fly came into the band. Mm. So he knows all my parts and all Larry's parts. And uh, so the two of us are playing guitar and singing. Uh, and Lane is playing keyboard and all those other instruments. Brady Spencer playing drums with us and, and Lance Hoppin, of course, my original bass player partner from the band going back to 72 wow. is, uh, is playing bass and singing. And people tell us we sound just like Orleans. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah. You should. Yeah, and of course, and uh, <laughs> dropping on May 28th, we have your new record featuring a song out now alone too long, which we talked about. We'll definitely play a little of that. Link to the video. Link to the music video in our show notes. You got to check that out. And what else do you want people to know about uh, to go buy this record, stream it, download it? One thing I notice is I can definitely hear the Nashville in this record. There's some Nashville in the record. Yeah, there's still guitar in one track, um, which is that song uh, Mystic Blue I told you about. But the, the first song is uh, is a song called I Think of You, which I wrote with Sharon Vaughn, who's written just dozens of huge hits, country hits, but also pop hits. And she's been doing a lot of writing lately with new artists. I think of you I close my eyes And I am standing under soft I've written songs with well, Steve Warner, who's a national artist, obviously a you know number one country artist and and uh, Grammy winner. Uh, he sang a duet with me on one song, and it's actually kind of a yacht rocky song. Uh, Another sunset with you. being on an island away from 
uh, away from work, away from civilization and and thinking about having to go back to work and going, no, I want another sunset with you, honey. (laughs) And uh, and that song, Steve and I sing a duet on. We wrote it together. Uh, There's another song that I sing with Dar Williams, who's a a folk singer songwriter. He's got a pretty big following in that in that world. And uh, uh, she and I have done a lot of environmental benefits together. And we sing on a song that I wrote uh, all by my lonesome uh, called Save the Monarch. And it, it sounds when you hear the title like, oh, this is going to be God Save the Queen. Um, and I, I wanted it to be seen as kind of a play on that. It's uh, Save the Monarch, Save the Monarch Butterfly. Hmm. Save the King, King Condor, Watch Him Rise. Uh, save the Queen, the Queen of the Honeybees. And uh, you and whom we trust, save them from us. It's a prayer. It's talking to the Creator. Hmm. Every song on this record... Uh, has some kind of story behind it like that. Yeah, I can tell they all matter to you. Well, John, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really an honor to talk to you about the past and the Wayback Machine, but certainly everyone needs to, A, go out and buy, stream, download the record that comes out on May 28th, and then look for Orleans coming to a town near you. Are you touring as John Hall uh, to support this record? Uh, at the moment, I don't have any uh, gigs booked, but then nobody had any gigs booked until recently. Uh, but in between the Orleans stuff, I may do some John Hall you know, solo gigs, and I hope so. We're working on putting that together. Right now, it's just I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing the Orleans thing first and foremost. But I'd also like to say, if I may, that uh, you can find me at johnhallmusic.com, and you can find Orleans at orleansonline.com. Uh, we're both on Facebook. It's the easiest place uh, to uh, to find us besides the websites. Uh, John Hall Band, John Hall Music, or uh, Orleans Music on Facebook. And there's more information than you probably ever wanted to know there. So. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, again, good luck with the record, John, and have fun this summer out there on the road. We've been dying for it. All right. Thanks, Tom and John. I want to hear your brother harmony sometime. Oh, geez. <laughs> I don't know if you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let us record it, auto tune it, and then we'll then uh, send it go. to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Dance with me. I want to be a partner. Can't you see? The music is just starting. Night is falling, and I am falling. Dance with me. Well, that was awfully cool. Getting a chance to talk to a yacht rock legend. Yes, I didn't get a chance to tell him uh, that I went to bat for his song, Dance With Me, Oh, when I had to well, make the case. Yes, he needs to go back and listen to episode uh, 2117, maybe yeah. it is. So, anyways, well, that segue then gets us right into the lightning round. Yeah, can you believe we don't have a sound effect for the lightning round after all this time? Well, you're the sound guy. It seems like an so. oversight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to ask you, um, not do you like the song, okay. but does it float your boat? In other words, do you consider it Yachty? Still the one. Where do you come down on that one? Well, I, I come down on the the side of you stole my uh, lightning round idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then let's kick it around. Well, because um, I was actually going to ask both because I never really got your opinion on Dance With Me, but I had written down. So in general, those are the two big hits. Which of them, if any or both or neither, do you consider Yachty? So for me... Obviously, I've made the case that I think Dance With Me belongs, so I'm going to say yes on that one. Still the One yep. is just a fun pop rocker. I don't see how it connects into Yacht Rock at all. 
Um, what are your thoughts? Same on Dance With Me. You already made the case, so I don't need to. I mean, you really made the case a few episodes ago. But then my take on Still the One is I think it got a fair amount of play during the heyday of classic rock radio. It did. So in my mind, I associate it as classic rock, and it doesn't sound yachty to me at all. Having said that, I haven't taken it out of my Yacht Rock list because I like the song enough, but I would not think it floats my boat from a Yachty perspective. Okay. And I'll go one further. Um, I think I know your answer on this one. You still have Love Takes Time in your list, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, and you will not get it out yeah, of Yeah, I think list, I so. kind of have a, an allowance for that one. I, I, don't, I don't think mm-hmm. I would make the case on that one, but I think it's, it's an in there for me. So we could, I did feature that as a buried treasure because it's one yeah. that they don't play on the typical Yacht Rock station, and they should. But put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that in two weeks. That's foreshadowing. Okay. Foreshadowing. The omen. Uh, What do you got for Buried Treasure? So Buried Treasure, um, I did a lot of Orleans listening when I knew we booked John for this. And after everything you just said, I think I found the yachtiest Orleans song of all. It's super yachty. In fact, you wouldn't even have to make the case. Just listen to Spring Fever. Yeah, I can kind of hear um, almost a little bit of uh, Aces, How Long, in there. And uh, cool sax. I mean, as soon as you start with a sax line, you know, you're, you're offered at least a half a ticket onto the boat. Now, who'd you say that was? That's Michael Brecker. So he's played nice. on some yacht sessions. Indeed. Yeah. That is a very yachty song. So go ahead and throw that into your mix without apology. I'm going to throw that into my list right now since okay. I have Spotify open in front of me. There it is. Doom. It's in. Boom. All right, well, I have a buried treasure for you, and this has a, a distant John Hall connection. Uh, I'm looking at a Carly Simon album from 1978. It's called Boys in the Trees. It was produced by uh, James Taylor, or excuse me, the song was written by James Taylor and Arif Martin. Arif Martin was the producer. Uh, John Hall plays guitar on this album, though not on this song. But the song, I think, is a buried treasure. It's called Tranquillo. <laughs> Quick interesting notes on personnel has Tony Levin on bass, which is not somebody you really associate with uh, Yacht Rock. Steve Gadd on drums. Uh, background vocals, though, include Hamish Stewart, who is also the guitar player, but Sissy Houston, who is uh, Whitney Houston's mom, and Dionne Warwick's aunt. So, um, yeah. What do you think? I never knew Whitney Houston had a, like a, or her mom was a professional. Yeah, like a big time R&B gospel singer. Did you know that? She's won Grammys, too. Yeah, I did. Wow. But I, I, had okay. to, I knew that that name rang a bell when I saw it, and I thought, is that Whitney Houston's mom? So I had to look it up, and I'd forgotten about the Dionne Warwick connection. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Well, do you uh, have something for Off the Map? I do, Andy? and it's going to make you happy. Uh-oh. It's a little bit 
off the map stylistically, but it's from a band that's associated with yacht rock, and it's not that terribly far outside the genre of.、Uh, but are you familiar with a song by Player called I'd Rather Be Gone? No. Check it. I'd make the case that it's yachty, but it's close enough. It's in that, you know. Wow, I like the sound of that. That's got some smooth. Smooth. I've been trying to find more and more player, and I've got a few up my sleeve. So that, I did not have that one, though. Okay. Now you do. So, when we,、uh, for my off the map, when we interviewed John, we talked about、uh, Wells Kelly being from King Harvest. Right. So, if you see、um, some more recent compilations that、uh, Orleans puts out, they almost always seem to include Dancing in the Moonlight, which、mm-hmm. is, I, I、mm-hmm. couldn't figure out why. And then I traced it back, and now I know why. So, on an album called 10 Authorized Hits by Orleans, and then the,、um, there are versions apparently called the Nashville Mix. Right. And that's where you'll find Love Takes Time. I think we forgot to ask John, but I think he sang vocals on this mix of it. But anyway, going back to Wells Kelly and Dancing in the Moonlight, there is a nice little version of Dancing in the Moonlight, kind of a mid tempo version on that record. And I'm adding that to Off the Map. Managed to do an all Orleans slash John Hall lightning round. Close enough. Oh, and you know what we forgot to ask John about, too? What? Does he know the meaning of Ahoy, Ahoy Ploy? ploy? <laughs> There, there's our harmony. <laughs> 